MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie Day Turkey Day free play is back this Thanksgiving. That's right, up to a $250 free bet on the Texans versus the Lions exclusively at MyBookie.ag. Make sure to use promo code SGP. We're also brought to you by Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a new daily fantasy sports app built specifically for player props. Download the app in the App Store and use promo code SGP for an instant deposit match of up to $50. That's thrivefantasy.com, promo code SGP. Sign up and prop up today. We are also brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace Per Head is the leader in pay-per-head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sportsbook. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. Hello, degenerates and fight fans and or both. Welcome back to the third episode of MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Yes, we're still here. We haven't been canceled, probably due to the low standards in the podcasting industry, but still. But we are back nonetheless, uh, so don't be shocked. Uh, my name is Jeff Fox. I am your host. I cover the UFC for Sports Gambling Podcast Network's website. I also am the head guy over at MMA-Manifesto.com. As per usual, uh, I have a co-pilot with me here. He hosts two podcasts of his own, and somehow his wife let him do this one too. So now he has three podcasts. So he hosts the Top Turtle MMA podcast. He hosts the uh, Prelim Picker podcast. He's my right-hand man over at MMA-Manifesto.com. He is a purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but he's a black belt in the game of life. Daniel Gumby Vreeland. <laughs> well, thank you for that that intro. I'm not sure I'm a black belt at picking again after last week, which, again, seemed to be disastrous for me. Yes, Dan, uh, that's what I wanted to start with. Why do we suck at picking fights? It's our, <laughs> basic jo- our basic job here is to pick fights, and we're pretty bad at it. I, I wouldn't say we, we suck at it. One of the problems, I think, with last week is... Uh, once again, another awful judges scorecard screwed us out of one fight. We both had Daniel Rodriguez beating Nicholas Dalby, which by all accounts, he beat Nicholas Dalby. There's no reason to score that fight for Dalby. Um, so once again, there, there's one more fight that could have gone our way. But the other thing, too, was it, last weekend was just kind of like a chalk weekend. I think a lot of times me and you are the type that, that are looking for value in underdogs here. And if you look, other than Sasha Polotnikov in the opener of the night... And then a little bit later on, Caitlin Chokagian on the main card. I don't think we had an underdog win on the whole thing. Uh, you know, we liked Alex Perez, or I liked Alex Perez. You know, obviously, he didn't get very much time to showcase his skills. We both like Brandon Royval. He gets his, you know, shoulder dislocated. Um, you know, so, like, we're always looking for value in underdogs. And I think here, you know, the underdogs we were looking for uh, just didn't come through. It was one of those very chalky cards, which is extremely hard to bet or find uh, value in. So, you know, we, we hit a couple of the, the major favorites we liked. We both liked Tim Means over Mike Perry. So, you know, that's a, a nice one there because obviously we didn't even know Mike Perry was about to miss weight by <laughs> half a half a weight class. But um, nevertheless, uh, I think I think we're going to get back on track here with uh, Blades versus Lewis fight card. 
Yes, we better. So, um, yeah, we did, as Dan said, we did hit on one underdog. Tim Means, um, he was plus 110. That was basically the only only dog we hit on the night. We both ended up uh, six and six, uh, but Dan did a little worse than I did uh, money-wise. If we were betting 100 bucks on each fight, like a true degenerate gambler would, um, Dan would be down 240. I would be down 285. So uh, through two two weeks of this we're both 10 and 11 uh i would be down about 407 bucks dan would be down 362 so enough of that though let's uh onward and upward with uh with um with our picks this week um let's let's break down what what we saw though at ufc uh 255 um as you um alluded to a very very quick main event uh who who would have guessed that figueredo would would win by submission yeah, and it bothers me too because you almost saw some of the flashes of what I liked as Alex Perez and an underdog. And, and, you know, I was very vocal about being an Alex Perez believer in this fight. And, and I don't think the loss makes me believe in him less. Like, you know, he only got to throw six strikes. But in those six strikes, you know, I saw some of the things that I liked. I saw the leg kicks that I liked. I saw, you know, him being more of a voluminous striker than than Figueredo. He threw almost twice as many punches. He was shooting the takedowns like I kind of expected him to. He, you know, had a little bit of control time on the top. Now, granted, his head was stuck in, in a guillotine. But, like, he, he was following the game plan that I kind of expected from him. And it didn't look bad. And then just like, I think I underestimated Davidson Figueredo, despite the fact that he is known as a power puncher, is also ridiculously good at jujitsu. <laughs> right, which makes uh, Figueredo even more scary proposition at the in the in the flyweight division and a more scary proposition for his, his next opponent, which sounds like he's coming in a few weeks, uh, Brandon Moreno. Not only does the guy kill you with his punches... Almost literally, um, but he can. He's got the the jujitsu to uh, to back it up. Yeah, and and that all seems like it should come together. Both the the accepting of the fight and those skills that you just mentioned, it it should be making him a star. Whether it does or not, because he's in the flyweight division, sort of remains to be seen. But you know, I don't see any reason why taking two title fights in a month's time, knocking people dead and choking people out, shouldn't make you an instant star. But uh, I mean, like. Flyweight's always been a question mark, but hopefully it's less of a question mark now. No doubt. Um, staying on the flyweight tip, but over on, on the women's side, um, no real surprise in the co-main event uh, last week. Valentina Shev, I guess it was a bit of a surprise. Valentina Shevchenko ended up winning um, 49-46, but uh, Maya put up a far greater fight than, than you would have expected. And this is one of those... You could almost say one of those uh, dud performances that Shevchenko puts up every once in a while. She's she's just as, as prone to do that uh, as she is to to pull off a uh, an explosive, exciting finish. It seems to be boom or, or bust with her. Yeah, the weird thing for me is, so of course, obviously, everybody gave the second round to Jennifer Maya, which was kind of surprising that she was able to take down Shevchenko and hold her there. That, that was pretty wild. But also, yeah, like, you're right, it was it was kind of a dud performance out of her, and it was almost because I, I think she was so afraid that Maya was going to take her down again and hold her down that she just decided she was going to shoot that takedown. She decided she was going to control the fight like that and make Maya work off of her back, which was not a bad strategy for winning. Uh, I think she probably would have lit her up on the feet and maybe conceded another takedown or two along the way, but, like, ultimately won and maybe more dominantly on the feet. 
But I think she took the safer route. And I guess when you're the champ and you're fighting as often as she is, th- there's really nothing wrong with the safer route. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, won't gain you many new fans, but it, it will get you your win bonus and, and let you let you keep make your championship money. So uh, other than that, um, not what I'm trying to think what else was consequential. Uh Caitlin Chukagian got a big win. Um, Cynthia Calvillo decided she wanted to play a distance striking game with a woman far bigger than her for some reason. That didn't work out too well for her. Yeah, that that one was confusing. Almost as confusing as uh, Jordan Wright just going in blindly and deciding that he is a better puncher than Joey Keen Buckley, which it was. It's just not fundamentally not true. <laughs> right. Right. Well, but Buckley's star continues to rise too. Also, and then the uh, we start things off with with the fight of the night. Um, Koski and uh, Palenikov. Uh, that was that was quite a battle. Yeah, I, I loved that fight, and and it was interesting too because I think me and you both picked Koski uh, by early stoppage, and and I think too we weren't that far away from being right on that one too, as long as we're tooting our horn again here, because. Koski, Koski was like two punches, maybe just being a little bit better placed in that ground and pound, or even just like maybe not pouring it on away from winning that fight. And instead, he like absolutely dumped out the tank and learned like a very important prospect lesson there that like the guys in the UFC are way tougher than the dudes you've been beating on the, the regional circuit. Yes, without de- without a doubt, but both uh, hopefully bright futures for, for both those guys because they were, uh, they really kicked off the night uh, in style. Yeah, I think there are bright futures for him both, too. And we talked a little bit last week, too, about Politnikov and his background, too, because I think he's he's a fun striker, and we're going to see a lot more of him. No doubt. But let's, let's move on, since that was uh, a bit of a disaster financially for us uh, last week. Let's, uh, let, let's move on to um, this week's uh, big show. But before that, let's tell you about mybookie.ag. Thanksgiving is all about traditions like turducken with mashed potatoes and betting on football with MyBookie's Turkey Day Free Play. MyBookie's third annual Turkey Day Free Play returns Thanksgiving Thursday, which I guess would be this week for you Yankees. Us Canadians had it last month where it's supposed to be in October, but nonetheless, uh, it's your chance to bet up to $250 risk-free on the early Thursday game. The Turkey Day Free Play is a no-risk, all-gravy wager on the full game spread. Pick the right team and you win. If your team is upset, your bet up to $250 is refunded before the next afternoon game. New players will get their first deposit matched halfway up to $1,000 to help add even more excitement to the greatest fo- football weekend of the year. That's right. Make your first deposit and get extra cash you can use on parlays, teasers, props all weekend long. Use promo code SGP in order to claim your bonus and your free bet. And the best part is that's only the beginning. My bookie has... Promotions all holiday weekend long. Turkey Day free plays Thanksgiving Thursday. That rolls into Black Friday, boosted odds, and finishes the holiday strong with buy one, get one free Cyber Monday night football. That's why at my bookie they call football season winning season. Check it out now. No risk, all gravy, baby. Don't forget to use the promo code SGP to claim your freebies. Okay. Maybe Thanksgiving for the Americans, but UFC does not never sleeps. Um, they have another... Fight card coming up this weekend from their UFC Apex in Las Vegas is headlined by uh, two heavyweights, Curtis Blades and Derek Lewis, which which should be fun. Um, let's start things off as we do with the curtain jerker, which we'll go go with the fight with which basically was just added to the card. Um, 
I'm not sure if it's going to end up being the actual opener, but but we'll go with that uh, that premise at, at this point. So it's a featherweight battle uh, between Kai Kamaka the third, aka Kai Kamaka Junior Junior, I guess that would make him, um, and he's fighting Jonathan Pierce. Um, Kamaka Junior Junior is uh, three years younger. Um, he's got the striking and grappling stats in his favor, but both guys have very limited uh, experience in in the UFC. So um, take these stats with a grain of salt. Uh, Kamaka won his UFC opener. He's eight and two overall. He's won six straight fights, but he is taking this on short notice, which um, which is usually a red flag when, when you're batting um, those short notice fights. This year, I've won about a third of the time, so it's uh, the the odds are stacked against him in, in that that realm. Um, so he's fighting Jonathan Pierce, uh, who will be much bigger than him, five inches taller, uh, two inches of reach. He dropped his UFC opener. He got knocked out, actually, last year. It was just over a year at this point um, to Joe Lozon. Um, he's 9-4 and four overall. Uh, this fight, as we're recording, was basically just announced, so we don't have any lines on it anywhere. Um, I'm leaning... I wa- I'm trying to think who I was leaning towards. I think I'm leaning towards Pierce based on his... Well, he's got a huge... Huge size advantage. Uh, plus, if you go over resumes of the two, he's he's fought a far higher level of competition. But uh, I'm not sold on it. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see where this one's lined because I think if it was full training camp versus full training camp, everybody had time. I actually think Kai Kamaka comes in here somewhere around negative 135, 140 as a favorite, and Pierce being you know like a plus 120 underdog. Being that it's short notice, we're probably going to see damn near close to even odds. So so I bet this winds up being a pick em. Obviously, when the odds eventually do come out, if you guys see a plus number, a big plus number next to each of these names, it probably doesn't belong there, and that's probably the right place to bet. But if I'm picking them here at a pick em, I actually am, I'm going to go with Kai Kamaka. Despite the fact that he's at a huge reach disadvantage, as we saw in that fight with with Tony Kelly, he just pushes forward. He throws tons of bombs. He gets into range. And Jonathan Pierce, while I really like his grappling game, he, he's kind of rudimentary on the feet. I don't really have a lot of faith in what he's doing striking-wise. Um, and that's despite the fact that he has a, a knockout win on Contender Series and he's you know stopped people due to strikes before. A lot of that stuff winds up being on the mat. And so here, I think probably Kai Kamaka just gets on the inside, strikes him up a little bit, beats him up a little bit. And heck, I I wouldn't even be surprised to see Kamaka land a takedown or two um, and just survive on the top and win rounds that way. So yeah, I'm going to go with Kai Kamaka if this is close to being a pick I like that as, as betting odds. But if, like I said, either of these guys gets posted near plus 200, I think there's clear value on either of them as, as large underdogs. All right, so there you go. I've got Pierce, Dan's got Kamaka. We're sending you mixed messages, which is which is always good when you're gambling. Um, next up, we will go um, two guys that are fairly new to the UFC. This will be, I believe, both their third fights in the big show. Uh, featherweights again, Spike Carlisle, Bill Algio. Uh, should be a fun one. Um, Carlisle, got four inches of height on Algio. The reach is, um, Algio's got two inches of reach on him, though, which is... So he, he's got the longer arms, but Carlisle's got the height. Um, Carlisle's four years younger than him. Uh, grappling stats are in his favor. Striking stats are even for these guys. Um, he is one and one in his UFC career so far. 
Um, Aljo is still looking for his first uh, victory. He's dropped his first two UFC fights. Um, Aljo is a plus 130 dog at this point. Uh, Carlisle minus 160. I am going with the chalk. Your thoughts? I'm going to take the underdog here. We're going to differ All on right. the first two both. Yeah, I'm going to take Senior Perfecto here, uh, Aljo. And the the reason's really simple for me. He won me over when he fought Ricardo Lamas. You know, like we're we're talking. You're right. He's if you're counting his contenders here, he's fought. He's 0-2 with a loss to uh, Brendan Lorraine, um, who was supposed to. I mean, he should have gotten a contract off of that performance against Bill Algio. And then we see him fight Ricardo Lamas on short notice. And the dude went to war with Ricardo Lamas on short notice. He absolutely put together a fun-ass performance where, yeah, Lamas won. But, dude, Lamas has been in there with everybody. Like, literally everybody in the featherweight division. He's fought Calvin Cater, Darren Elkins, Josh Emmett. He fought Charles Oliveira, Max Holloway, you know, Chad Mendez. Like, Jose Aldo, he's fought everybody. And Bill Algio went toe-to-toe with him for 15 minutes slugging. And and when we look at how this fight's going to go, too... You know, Algio is is fighting here against Spike Carlisle, a guy who likes to just throw bombs. I just can't imagine if if Ricardo Lamas threw bombs nonstop for 15 minutes, that Spike Carlisle is instead going to get him out of there. Um, and with that being said, Spike Carlisle is a guy who kind of needs to get you out of there to win. He's a, he's a knockout guy, so I, I like Algio to probably survive here and win the later rounds. Okay, well at least one of us will get uh, get this one right. We we both won't go. Well. Won't both uh, eat an owl, which which is what we've been uh, doing the past couple weeks. So that's good. One of us will win. So uh, bring this to another a um, lot of the small smaller weight classes to start things off. This one's going to be a catch weight. Do you know what weight the Sanders Manis fight is going to be at, Dan? Have you heard? Last I last weight. I heard, I think it's coming in at one forty. Uh, just because okay. both guys can't make their usual bantam weight kind of on short right. notice. Last I heard, one forty catch weight, but I'm not positive about that. Okay, so we got veteran um, and former Mrs. Uh, Mr. Becky Lynch for, for those uh, WWE fans out there. Uh, cool hand Luke Sanders. Um, he has the striking stats over his uh, opponent, Nathan Manis. Uh, he's won two out of his last three. He's been around forever. Um, this fight's basically a pick for both these guys. They're both at minus 115. Manis has got a huge uh, size advantage on him. He's four inches of height, five inches of reach. Uh, six years younger, grappling stats in his favor, but is very uh, small uh, sample size. He's uh, only 1-0 in the UFC, 12-1 overall. Um, like I said, this fight is a, a pick I'm, I'm going with the younger, bigger man in Manus. Yeah, I'm going to take Manus here too. We're, we're going to finally agree on There that. we go. Yeah, and, finally. and I think there's, there's a lot of reasons to like him. You mentioned that length that he has. He's clearly got some height and reach advantage. And I think, too, his style plays well into that because he moves forward – And Luke Sanders, if you look back at his fights, when he's not moving forward, he actually looks pretty bad. You know, you can go back to his fight with Andre Sukumta, where he got backed up a bunch of times and eventually got knocked out by Sukumta. And you could say the same thing. Like, he didn't look good moving backwards against Henan Barrow sometimes. And if you're not looking good against Henan Barrow in 2019, you've got some issues. So, yeah, I like Nate Manis as the guy who's both bigger, younger, has been more active, and actually, I think he's probably got a wrestling advantage here, too. So, yeah, I think Manis is the play here. And probably, if you're looking for a prop, too, Manis by decision is probably not a bad play. Right, yeah, that's a very good play. And it's uh, you, you got to like this this line, uh, pick em line, if Dan and I are both 
going with with Manus in this one, and you can as of as of this recording, you can get him at uh, like I said, a pick of minus one fifteen. So uh, can't lose on that. Uh, before we finish up the prelims, let's tell you about Thrive Fantasy. Uh, come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. With Thrive, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. If you want to play NFL, you choose 10 out of 20 available player props to build your lineup. If you want to play NBA, PGA, baseball, esports, whatever is in season, uh, choose 5 out of the 10 available player props to build your lineup. Each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and the under based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props and rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has uh, over $50,000 in guaranteed prizes weekly. Why am I doing a podcast when I can just play that? I should. Uh, and, and has awarded over 1.6 million in cash prizes. So make sure you use the promo code SGP when you sign up today and you'll receive an instant match up to $50 in your first deposit with a four times rollover. So download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website, thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today and don't forget our promo code SGP. All right, let's move in right along with this week's fight card. Um, more little guys, which is fine by me and I know it's fine by Dan. Um, we got a couple flyweight fights coming up. Uh, Sumadur, uh, why am I? I'm butchering his name. Say his name, Dan. Sumadurji. Right. As uh, we're in a sad state of affairs when I'm counting on Dan to <laughs> pronounce names correctly for me, but yes, Sumadurji versus Malcolm Gordon. Uh, like I said, it's, it's a flyweight battle. Um, Madurji, um slight, slight um, size advantage, inch of height, inch of reach. So basically. Um, not much to worry about there. Uh, but he is six years younger, which is uh, which is a key to winning fights, uh, especially when it's a gap that big. He also um, has striking and grappling stats in his favor, but when, once again, this is uh, another a small sample size. Uh, most of the guys, other than basically Sanders, most of the guys in the on the undercard here are, are uh, up and coming guys, uh, which is always fun. Um, he is one on one in the UFC. Um, he's fighting Gordon who dropped his, his UFC debut. Um, Muderji is a huge minus 345 favorite, uh, to Gordon's plus 270. Um, you going with the chalk here, Dan? Yeah, I'm going to go with the chalk here. I am a, there is a hesitation on gambling on a number that large. First of all, for me ever. Um, but also in this one, I'm a little alarmed because first of all, Muderji is coming down in weight class. He's been at Bantamweight for his first two UFC fights, the one against Andre Sukumta and Luis Smolka, who, who are good level competition at Bantamweight, but but we're you got to wonder how the weight cut's going to deal with him. He did fight at flyweight before he made it to the UFC, but, you know, it, you, you got to question that a little bit. And in addition to that, too, you know, like one of the things that's really great about Malcolm Gordon, and I am a Malcolm Gordon fan, too, is he's got some really good grappling. So if Muderji comes down in weight class loses a little bit of that strength advantage because he zapped from a weight cut. Gordon might be able to get him down, but but I actually think Maderji is a is a clear cut pick to win here because you know he's going to be the stronger of the two as long as he doesn't gas out and make himself weak with that weight cut. He fights really well from a distance. Um as we saw against Sukumta, he he stuffs takedowns really well. So like as long as he stays at range, which he, he again that's another thing he does really well because of his kicks. As long as he fights at range here, Malcolm Gordon has no chance of taking him down. And I also think Malcolm Gordon's got almost no chance of winning this on the feet. Right. I'm, I'm taking uh, taking the favor too. But like you said, that number that high, you may want to avoid, especially with 
with newer guys where we really haven't had a chance to to see exactly what what each guy each guy brings to uh, brings to the big show. Um, another flyweight uh, belt coming up. Uh, as Dan uh, said earlier, um, we have uh, we have guys dropping down to flyweight now, which is which is interesting. When I was doing the flyweight rankings for uh, on my website MMA-Manifesto, uh, I do performance rankings for for all the all the weight classes based on on how guys actually do in fights, guys and gals, and um, and who who they beat that type of thing. There are quite a few guys dropping down to flyweight, which is nice. Bantamweight's a pretty um, high quantity weight class. The so flyweight could use could use some some more uh, fresh meat uh, for for their dominant champs. So uh, anyhow, um, sidebar there. Flyweights we have Amir Albazi versus Double Z Zalgis Zumagulov. Nailed it. Um, uh, there we go. Yeah, after after stumbling over it, I, I got my way through it there. So uh, Albazi is uh, – he's got an inch of height, two inches of reach, so slight uh, slight size there. Five years younger, um, grappling stats in his favor, but like I said before, um, disclaimer there because he's only fought once in the UFC. Um, he's Like I said, he, he won his first UFC uh, fight, and uh, Double Z, we'll call him, just to make it easier. Um, won't take a chance butchering his name a second time. Um, he's dropped, dropped his UFC debut. These guys are a pick at this point. Um, uh, I'm going to take all ballsy um, just due to um, size and, and, and the, uh, and the youth uh, being on his side. Plus I believe he'll, he'll be the superior grappler. Uh, what are your thoughts? I actually like Zalgis's grappling all a little right. bit better. I, I like the way that, you know, Zalgis, he did get stuffed a lot on his takedowns in his debut. He, he went two of 11, but it's against Rallon Paivia who who's very tall, fights very long and fights really well long. Albazi is not a particularly long fighter in the way that he fights. He likes to get on the inside. He shot some takedowns in his last fight against the aforementioned Malcolm Gordon and got on the, you know, in there. And I just think Zalgis, if you go back to his regional record too, is so much more impressive. His last three wins before he got to the UFC were all over UFC guys. He beat Tyson Nam. He beat T- Tagir Ulamakov. And he beat Ali Bagotinov, who was a guy who fought for the title previously so he beat all those guys by decision and most of them by like just getting on the inside throwing punches and bunches and not being afraid to wrestle a little bit and I think he could probably do that against uh, Albazi here too but again this is a razor close fight and a really tough one to call yep that's uh but very good uh very good um insight on on him that's that's why Dan's on the show guys it's not just because of his sexy voice he actually knows things about these fighters and and what they've done before they've they come into the UFC octagon. Um, so we differed on the other one, which is good. Maybe we'll actually get some separation this week between us and, and prove who, who is the brains of the operation. So um, another band and weight fight. Uh, like I said, it's all, all the little fellas um, this weekend. Um, we've got Martin day versus Anderson dos Santos, um, which is basically a mashup of, of every Brazilian fighter's name right there. Anderson dos Santos. So um, Martin day, uh, much bigger guy, uh, five inches of height, three inches of reach, three years younger. Uh, striking stats are in his favor in his uh, in his three uh, three fight UFC career, but he is 0-3. He's dropped all three of his fights. Uh, Dos Santos dropped both of his UFC fights. So these guys, this is basically uh, an old fashioned wrestling loser loser leaves uh, town match. Uh, basically, the the loser more than likely is gonna gonna get his walking papers here. Um, Dos Santos is a plus 155 dog. Uh, day minus 185 
favorite. I'm going with the favorite once again. Uh, I know it's boring, but uh, I think he wins this one. Yeah, and this one's so hard for me to pick, too. I've been back and forth a couple of times on this one. The, the thing is, is that Martin Day has got, like, dynamite in his hands. The guy throws big bombs. We saw him throwing him against Davy Grant until, you know, awkwardly Davy Grant, of all people, knocked him out. Uh, Anderson Dos Santos is a guy who gets hit a lot. So I think for that reason, I, I'm leaning with Day here, too. But, like, Anderson Dos Santos is also the type of guy who's going to get in your face and not be afraid of what you're doing. Um, so with that being said, you know, like, I, I wouldn't be totally surprised if Dos Santos ekes out a decision here. Being that that plus money is not too bad on him, if you do like Dos Santos, don't be afraid to pull the trigger because I think this one's actually a lot closer than the odds. Um, but but ultimately, I'm going to take Martin Day here. All right. So we both agree on that one. Um, and we finish off our prelims with a, another bantamweight fight, but this one is on the female side of things. Uh, Rebel girl Ashley Evans-Smith uh, against Norma Dumont-Vienna, the battle of the three women with three names. Um, Ashley Evans-Smith, uh, four inches height. Um, actually, let, let me look at the right person here for Here she is. Um, she has the striking stats in her favor, uh, but she's only won one of her last four fights. She's one in three. Uh, Dumont's three years younger. Um, Grappling stats in her favor, but she's only fought once in the UFC, which was a loss, which actually was her only um, only loss in pro MMA. She's uh, only four and one at this point. Um, very inexperienced. Uh, she's minus 120 to, to Smith's minus 110. Um, who are you taking, American or the Brazilian here, Dan? I think I'm going to go with the Brazilian. This one's really, really freaking hard to call to. I, I know I keep saying that about these prelims, but th- this is a really hard prelim card. Uh, Ashley Evan Smith has only fought once in the last two years, and it was in February of 2019. How, how do you get a read on somebody who you haven't seen in almost, you know, 20 months or 21 months at this time? And that was a kind of an ugly decision loss to Andrea Lee. Before that, her last fight was was uh, April of 2018. So like she hasn't fought or she hasn't won in almost three full years. But she's fighting somebody, and this is what gives me even more pause to pick them. She's fighting somebody coming down from featherweight as she comes up from flyweight. You know, they're going to meet in the middle at bantamweight here. Ashley Evans Smith is kind of a woman who's always used her wrestling and her strength in her advantage in order to win fights, right? Like, she outmuscled Beck Rawlings in, in route to a decision. So, like, if that's your style and you're going to fight somebody who just fought not only just fought Megan Anderson at, at featherweight, but took Megan Anderson down at featherweight, right? Like, she, she's a very physically strong woman. I, I'm not sure what this looks like on the feet because I don't love either of their striking, but I, I think I'm just going to go with Dumont because she stuffs enough takedowns and probably tires out uh, Ashley Evans-Smith, who's trying to come up and fight a much larger woman. Hear that? Americans, Dan is a traitor <laughs> to your country. He, he picked a Brazilian. Um I will be nice to my neighbors to the south. I'll, I'll take Smith, but but all your points are good, and there's no shame in having your only loss uh, as a pro to to Megan Anderson. So, but like I said, this this is another one that um, as the odds are alluding to um, through these prelims, this is another uh, at least on paper it should be another another close fight. Um, that wraps up the prelim portion, which will be on uh, ESPN Plus on on Saturday. Uh, let's tell you about Ace Per Head before we we hop into the into the main card uh have you ever thought of starting your own sports book but don't know how ace per head is here to help you start your own sports book they'll provide you with an all-inclusive professional betting site with all the lines updated up to the second and wagers graded immediately they have top-notch customer support going 24 7 and some of the sharpest lines in the industry 
So plus Ace per head offers live betting and an amazing mobile experience. Get started today and Ace is offering up to six weeks free. So go to aceperhead.com slash SGP, aceperhead.com slash SGP. Okay, off to the main card. Um, this guy has fallen fallen from grace from from headlining uh, pay per views not too long ago to, to opening up the the main card here. Anthony Leinhart Smith. Um, he's in a uh, like I said he he's he's in a bit of a slump here. He will be going up against Devin Clark in a light heavy heavyweight opener on the main card, which will be on uh, ESPN Plus as well as uh, ESPN Two. Um, so Smith, it will be the, the bigger guy, at least lengthwise, uh, four inches high, inch of reach. Um, but like I said before, he's, he's in a bit of a slump. Um, he's lost two straight, um, two and three over his last, last five. Uh, Clark is, will be the younger man, two years younger. Uh, he's got strike landing grappling stats in his favor, as well as, uh, as well as the, um, momentum here. He's won two straight, uh, three of his last five. This is another, another razor close fight at least on the boards it's, it's a pick him at minus 115 um i'll be going with the with the younger man in in clark uh your thoughts i'm gonna take clark too and i can't believe it. i mean if you told me two years ago that i was gonna take devin clark in a fight over uh anthony smith who was fighting for a title at the time I, i'd laugh at you but like there, there's so many alarming factors to the way that anthony smith has looked in those losses um and the biggest one for me being glover Teixeira took him down at will Glover Teixeira took him down and dominated him on top. And not that Glover Teixeira isn't a phenomenal grappler. We just saw him do it at Tiago Santos as well. But that's Devin Clark, right? Like, Devin Clark is a guy who is a collegiate wrestler. Devin Clark is a guy who likes to wrestle it up a little bit. And if you look at the guys who've beaten him when he does try to wrestle him up, they snatch up chokes, right? Like, Jan Blankovic got him with a standing rear naked choke and really weird, awkward grappling exchange. You know, Ryan Spann guillotined him when he, he shot a sloppy takedown. I don't know about you, but I've got literally no hope that Anthony Smith finds a way to submit Devin Clark, right? Like, I mean, he submitted Alexander Gustafson, and I guess maybe we should give him some props for that. But, you know, I actually like Devin Clark here to just take him down enough times that he controls the fight and wins a decision. And once again, we'll talk a little bit about props towards the end, but... Devin Clark by decision is a prop that you're going to want to look out for when that line posts because he's not a finisher. He's not a guy who's gone in and finished a bunch of people. Um, Anthony Smith being as tough as hell uh, as, you know, obviously you saw by him getting his teeth knocked out the last fight and just keep going. Um, I'd take Devin Clark here by decision. Yeah, that's that's very yeah. When you look at Clark's record, it's all all decisions. Um, basically, at least recently, it's all decisions and and not to. Uh, not to um, slander Smith too much because he, he is a, a nice guy and he, he's a very, uh, very good story. His, his rise in the sport, but he's basically has uh, always been a journeyman fighter. Uh, he got in a hot streak in a, in a shallow division, which propelled him to the, to the top. And basically he seems to be um, regressing back, back to the, to the mean here to be basically a uh, middle of the pack type fighter. Yeah. And it's kind of a sad, sad fall from grace too, but it's also just really tough matchmaking on him too, right? Like, yeah, you you lose to John Jones. John Jones is a beast. Then they give you a guy who's who's pretty, you know, has gaps in his grappling and Gustafson, and they're like, oh yeah, he's back on track. And then back to back dudes who just are not gonna not gonna deal with you in the striking department. Teixeira, who can just brutalize you, and, and Rachic, I guess, did strike with him a little bit, but Rachic is a guy who's shown he's willing to mix in the takedowns to keep you off balance. So. 
you know, bad matchmaking two in a row for him there in, you know, three out of four. And now he's getting a, another guy who, I mean, he trains with John Jones. He knows the, the style that it takes to beat Anthony Smith. And actually, I think he's probably a worse stylistic matchup while not being a, you know, better fighter than John Jones. He's a worse stylistic matchup for, for Anthony Smith. Right. Right. Exactly. So, uh, a little depressing, but but we'll move on. This fight, actually, uh, the next fight we're going to talk about will not be depressing. This should be possibly um, up there for, for fight of the night. It should be a fun one. Uh, welterweight, it's Miguel Baeza versus Takashi Sato. Um, Baeza will be the bigger man, four inches of height, uh, slight reach, one-inch one reach advantage. Uh, two years younger, he's a perfect 9-0 in, in MMA, 3-0 in the UFC. He's also got the ever-important striking stats in his favor, um, which basically believe we're at 72 percent of fighters who have the striking stat advantage going into a fight win this year so that's that's a pretty pretty big um big card to have in your hand there uh but sato is no slouch himself two and one in the ufc um of his 16 wins 11 are knockouts so this, this should be a fun fight like i said he is a plus 155 dog by is minus 190 favorite i'm going with a favorite again i'm not going with a lot of dogs this week um, not not intentionally, but that's just the way things have lined up. Yeah, I'm going chalk on this one too, and I think it's just because I mean, like if you look at the people Saito has beat, uh, I mean he knocked out Ben Saunders, which sure get, give him some credit for knocking out a veteran like that, but Ben Saunders is not the same Ben Saunders we grew up watching and we grew up loving. Uh, he he's a show of himself, or at least was by the time Saito got to him. And then he beat Jason Witt, who, who again, I, I'm not real sold on Jason Witt. And he did that in just 48 seconds, um, you know, throwing a loss to Bilal Muhammad in there. Whereas Miguel Baez is out there beating guys, you know, like, you know, he beat Victor Reyna on the Contender Series. who's a really tough out. He beat Hector Aldana. He, he really knocked out Matt Brown, which is, you know, again, people are a shell of themselves. Matt Brown is not necessarily a shell of Matt Brown yet. Matt Brown is still the same tough as hell Matt Brown. He, he just came off of beating Ben Saunders too and Diego Sanchez. So, um, yeah, I, I like Miguel Baeza here. I think he's quicker on the feet. And in Saito, to me, definitely got that one-touch knockout power. I just don't see him landing on Baeza. Which brings us to the only other female fight in the card. Uh, this will be the women's flyweight division, Gina Mazzani versus Rachel Ostevich. Uh, Mazzani will be... Uh, the bigger fighter, she, she's fought at uh, higher weight classes, I believe, in, in the past. Um, she's three inches taller, six inches of reach, striking advantage in her favor. Uh, she's dropped three straight, though. And only one win uh, out of her last uh, five fights. Uh, Ostovich, three years younger, grappling stats in her favor, um, but she has lost uh, lost two fights via sub, so it's not that, that she's a uh, superb grappler. Uh, just Mazzani's more of a more of a, a striker, kickboxer type type fighter. So uh, Ostevich has only won once in the UFC in her three fights. Um, so she's coming in at plus one twenty dog. Mazzani's minus one forty. Once again, boring Jeff going with going with the the favorite in this one. Yeah, I'm gonna take Mazzani in this one. And the reason I like Mazzani in this one too is. First of all, she's moving down weight class. I think that's the right move for her. I think she was always a little undersized for 135. And, and if you look at, you know, her losses at 135, they're to very big women, right? Like she, she lost at, at uh, 135 to Sarah McMahon. She lost to Macy Chason. She lost to Julia Avila. These are big 135ers. And even Lena Landsberg's a big 135er. You know, like, so she was always kind of undersized. 
she's going to go down a weight class to somebody who's been bullied at 125. I think she has the same ability to do that to Rachel Ostevich. And also, we're talking about Ostevich. She ain't fought in two years either. She last lost to Paige Van Zant in January of 2019. It was the first ever fight card on ESPN. Uh, so, like, it, it's been a while since she's been in the UFC. Uh, so, like, I've never been sold on Rachel Ostevich, and I think Gina Mazzani probably has a, despite the stats, probably has a grappling advantage in this one that I can see her exploiting. Yeah, minus 140 is actually looking looking pretty good for her at this point, too. Yeah, which uh, brings us, uh, looks, at this point, looks like the night is going to finish off with, with two heavyweight fights, which which no one will complain about. We had a... Um, had another fight lined up for the the co-main event, uh, uh, lightweight fight, but Renato Moicano got that dreaded COVID-19, uh, so his fight with Rafael Fiziev has been kicked down the uh, down the street a little bit. Uh, they hope to match up later on this year. So as of this point, um, not sure if it's going to stay this way because uh, these are rather newbies uh, to be co-headlining, but we've got two uh, two heavyweights uh, currently penciled into the co-headlining slot: Josh Parisian. And the um, superhero himself, Parker Porter, uh, the, the new Spider-Man. Um, Parisian, he's got four inches of height and reach over his smaller uh, opponent. Uh, he's also four years younger. Um, he's won both his UFC fights, uh, striking stats in his favor. Porter dropped his UFC debut. Um, Porter, my, uh, plus 170 dog. Uh, Parisian, minus 200. You know, I'm going to take the, the favorite once again. I'm not going for any plus money this week, it looks like. <laughs> well, I think you're smart on this one then because uh, Parisian is, is by far the better fighter here. And I love Parker Porter. He's actually got a great story of, uh, uh, you know, you're talking about a journeyman earlier. This is a guy who made his pro debut all the way back in 2007. I was just finishing up high school when this dude made his debut. Um, and he shortly thereafter fought John Jones on the regional circuit when he was just 2-0. and So... The, the guy has been fighting for a long time, and I'm glad to see him in the UFC. But Parisian, like you said, younger guy, more polished. He's got some reach. And, and when you look at Porter, probably the biggest limitation for him as a heavyweight is he is only six foot tall and, and has only 75-inch reach. That's kind of small for, for the 265-pound division. And, and as we saw with Parisian, you know, he uses that length pretty well for a guy of his size, like we saw in the Contender Series just, you know, a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of months ago, rather. So, yeah, I, I like Parisian here. I think he gets the job done and probably finishes Porter as well. There we go. So that will make it 3-0 and for Parisian. We may have some some uh, fresh meat in the in the heavyweight division, which is which is always, always needed. Uh, which brings us to our heavyweight main event. Um, Curtis Blades, Razor Blades versus Derek Lewis. Um, blades one inch reach, six years younger, striking, uh, striking. I don't know what strike lean is, but he's got strike, strike stats and grappling stats are in his favor. Um, these guys are both veterans. So these stats actually probably mean, mean something at this point. Uh, he's won four straight fights of his 14, uh, pro wins, 10 RB a knockout. Um, most of them via the ground and pound variety. Um, he's only lost twice in his in his 16 fight pro career, and they were both to Francis Ngano. So, no shame in that game. Um, Lewis dropped three straight, um, 19 KOs of his 24 wins. Um, he used to be a super fun guy to watch fight, but he seems to be fighting more like a actual trained fighter now, rather than just a guy who doesn't want to be there or 
or hunches over in, in pain or has to go to the washroom in the middle of the fight or, or runs out of runs out of breath but but then ends up ends up knocking out out the guy with the haymaker um still a fun guy but um he seems to be more of a, a traditional fighter at this point which doesn't seem to be working for him quite as well uh, three straight losses so he's a quite sizable dog here plus 255 to blades minus 315 um i'm playing it safe again here uh with with the uh the favorite yeah i think we go with blades here because despite the fact you know that like you said lewis is looking a little bit more like a regular fighter he, he's given up a lot of takedowns you know if you give up three takedowns to blagoy ivanov like what hope in the whole world do you have against curtis blades because that dude is a freaking machine I mean, we saw Curtis Blades in his UFC debut take down Francis Naganu a bunch of times in, like, I mean, like, a fight he probably could have won if that doesn't get stopped but because of the doctor. Um, you know, he's a good, 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 good fighter. He's got an amazing takedown game. I just don't see any way that Derek Lewis survives long enough uh, to land one of his miracle last-round knockouts. So, yeah, Curtis Blades here, and actually... If, if there's a prop in there of him knocking him out early, you know, I might even go first round in this one because Blades just pours it on and it's not like Lewis is super durable when somebody's on top of him raining down punches either. No, so that's, we basically both see it going the same way. He's, uh, Blades will take him down and basically batter him until, until uh, the fight ends. Yeah, and I think too that like, you know, people laud the, the durability of Derek Lewis too, but like, also, just think about the sheer volume of Curtis Blades when he hits the mat. And also, like, it, it's not like he's just throwing, like, empty punches where he's just trying to, like, you know, rack up a total like some guys do on the ground. And, and not to take away from, again, Blago Ivanov, but, like, that's kind of what Blago Ivanov does when it hits the mat. He just kind of spams shots in there. Curtis Blades is a dude who knocked out Alistar over him from guard. Like, the, the dude drops haymakers when he hits the ground. Um, in their precise as hell. So, yeah, I, I think he's going to finish him, and I think he's going to finish him early. There you go. So with all the all the favorites that I've picked so far, we're going to need some some props or some parlays here to, to get people some plus money. Uh, you have some in mind, it sounds like. You've been hinting at some throughout the, the show here, so lay it on us. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, first of all, if you're looking for a, a parlay, start with Miguel Baeza. Build, build something with him because I, I really love Miguel Baeza on this fight card. Um, coming in at that number. Um, and also, too, we, we talked about Josh Parisian coming at a negative 210. He's just longer, better, smarter. Um, we're going to see him in, in a good place, too. So you, you pair those two together, you're going to get a little bit better than even money. Uh, and I think both of them are pretty surefire things. I also wouldn't hate just tacking on Curtis Blades into every parlay that you put on the night because I think he's a sure thing in the main event. And even at negative 330, just the boost to all of your parlays is not a bad move. Um, I talked before too quickly about two decision props I like. I like Devin Clark and Nate Manis both. If you're going to bet on them, I say bet on them by decision because I don't think Manis is going to sub Luke Sanders. I don't think he's going to knock out Luke Sanders. And same with Devin Clark. He's I don't think he's going to get Anthony Smith out of there because he has so many wins by decision. And Anthony Smith is pretty damn tough. So I like Manis and Clark both by decision as props and for a parlay I like Baeza paired with Parisian but also just think about throwing blades into everything you do right exactly so there you go some plus 
money uh, for you there, or, or closer. Yeah, with those parlays, you you would be getting into the plus plus range, uh, which brings us to the end of another week. We made it through another show. If if we don't get canned, we will be back for for another another show next week, where I can tell you where Dan went wrong with all his picks, and I'm actually gonna have a good week f- f- this week. I can just tell. Um, in the meantime, um, Twitter, please. No, this is a uh, this is basically the one thing I'm asking of, of the listeners this week. Please make sure you follow me on Twitter. Uh, at this point, Dan's got three times the followers I have, and my that's just that, that's destroying my ego. That that can't be the case. So, uh, follow Jeff Fox, writer. Um, and if you're following Gumby Vreeland at this point, uh, please unfollow him. Um, we we got to get those numbers more more evenly uh, evenly matched. Um, like I said, my ego ego can't handle handle this any longer well, well if you're gonna um, win the so picks, that I, might well, I might as well win the twitter count oh <laughs> uh, well we'll see well we'll see where we stand next week um but thank you everyone for listening um like i said we'll be back next week to tell you how we messed up all our picks and we lost you all, all your money so in the meantime uh, americans have a good thanksgiving don't go and be super spreaders please i want our border to open at some point so we can go back down to the states to to visit you so uh have a have a lovely week and we will see you next time Finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event. Now at your local Honda dealer. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier has arrived on Disney+. Plus. The world is upside down. We can't lose this fight, Bucky. If we do this, we're going to do it our own way. Experience the six-episode event. We're partners, co-workers. Not necessarily the team. No. We look damn good. Marvel Studios' The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, now streaming only on Disney+. Plus.